Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions. I'm hoping you can explain the hit on metals of mining. Quick question on ticker symbol AG, first majestic. My wife has a rollover 401k from a previous employer. I was curious if this is eligible to be used to do a backdoor Roth. And provides unbiased answers. Well, that's pretty easy. Open up a Roth account, start moving the assets over there. Just know that every asset that you move over to the Roth is added to your income. Invest Talk across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. I appreciate you being with me today. It is Tuesday, April 12, 2022. I'm Steve Peasley, and of course, I look forward to this podcast every day. Talk to you about finance, about stocks, about the economy, what's happening. We, of course, got some big inflation news out today. We'll talk about that at length, I'm sure. And I'm always careful, though, to give straight and unbiased answers. I have no hidden agenda. I'm not trying to push anything on you or convince you of anything. In fact, it will be mostly your questions that drive the direction of the show. And we do that every day. Every every podcast is your questions that take us where you want to go. Of course, I'll bring up things I think of our interests of to investors. Uh, and I do that. I, Justin, do that every day. But you actually take us where you want to go. And today's investing situation is very different from what it was in the last decade or two. We are very different. We've moved from a certain way everybody invested and looked at the world of investing. And that was all about growth, technology growth. It seems like we're changed. It very clearly is a change. It's now back to, I won't say back to, but it seems like we're now stressing the investments that with more value to them, more um, commodity-type investments, more basic industries-types of investments. Those seem to be in favor, and you don't have to take my word for it. Just look at the the change we've seen in the last six months or so in in the leadership of the marketplace, the stock marketplace. The, who, the stocks that have fallen hardest are tech, and they usually do fall pretty darn hard, but look how well the commodity sections have done. And we have had over a decade of underinvestment in commodities. Underinvestment is catching up with us now. One of the reasons why we're having a lot of inflation, because we have shortages. Anyways, what do you want to talk about? Whatever you want to talk about, we'll talk about. Um, we have to consider various things still. We got COVID still hanging over our head. I think it's hanging over our head less, but it still is there. I mean, Shanghai cut, shut themselves down and they now start reopening again because of COVID. Uh, so there's going to be those kinds of things that still are in the investment landscape that we're going to have to deal with. Now we got those Russian Ukraine thing we have to deal with. So, but you got to put the odds in your favor. 
by learning how to make consistently good decisions with your money. You have to stay attuned to what's happening in the marketplace, what's happening in the economy, what's happening in the stock market. But you have to make decisions. You're going to have market volatility, but volatility will produce opportunities for you, and you need to act on those. So on the podcast, we'll operate with our same mission statement we do every day, independent thinking and shared success. So, you know, that means we're going to be up and up front and honest about our market reporting, our process explanations, our educational segments, and, of course, any stock commentary that uh, we talk about when you call in. And we'll do it all without bias. So we're going to give you the facts. I encourage you to contact me. The lines are open. You are responsible for your own investment uh, future, but I'll be happy to help you. So give me a call. We're live 4 to 5 Pacific Time, Monday through Friday. Ask your questions, and I will promise to give you factual answers. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. So let's get right to the first listener question. Oh, we're going to go right to a live call. Let's go to Jason in Arizona. Hi, Jason. Hey, how are you doing? I, Good. I uh, want to say, first off, I appreciate uh, the podcast. appreciate all the information. I'm brand new starting out. Oh, good. Uh, so I've Thank only got you. limited funds to look at. So I've been looking at some of the smaller dollar value and some of the smaller cap stocks. I was looking okay. specifically at Aterian, A-T-E-R. Okay. Um, again, just starting out with some small value. So I'm trying to get to the bigger lots of stocks so I can make a you know, make a bigger improvement if they do make some gains. Okay. I wonder what you thought about that one. Okay, this is a very small company, uh, A-T-E-R, it's a symbol, uh, Terran Inc. operates as technology-powered consumer products across e-commerce marketplaces and channels. It's a $310 million company, meaning it's a micro-cap. It's very small. Uh, they don't make money. So one of my rules, uh, Jason, is stay away from companies that don't make money with most of your assets. You should not invest generally in a company that doesn't make money. Always stay with the companies that make money. But that doesn't mean you can't invest in these kind of companies. It just means that you should take very little risk because most of these companies, these very small, small price, $5 a share, go out of business. Most of them do. Believe it or not, they do. Their cash flow is negative $3.98 a share. So they're losing $0.55 cents a share next year. They lost $0.78 cents a share this year. Last year, they lost $6.63 a share. So they're losing less money because their sales growth is doing very well. The most recent quarter, sales growth were up 53%. Quarter before that, was 16, 14, 88, 62. Always had growth. It's growing, growing, growing. So that has because of that sales growth, it has a prospect of making it. Okay. But again, I would only take very little risk because very little position is because it's so risky. It's very risky. Okay? Appreciate the call, though. Good luck with it. Hope it works for you. Let's go to Tony. Hi, Tony. Hi, Steve. Uh, I have a question Uh about um, I have about 500,000 in uh, savings. Okay. Um, uh, Reason why I have this amount of money is it's meant it's saved up for uh, a down payment for a house. Okay. But now with the the housing turning down, we kind of want to wait. But at the same time, want to um, maximize your return. Fight inflation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Try to make some money with that so, money. So you're you're in a quandary. I've had this question asked right. me numerous times. 
I have money. I'm saving. I want to preserve it for my house, but I don't want to take a lot of risk for it. But I can't tell you when I'm going to buy the house. But within the next few years, right? Is that what you're trying Correct. to? Yeah. Within, so uh, twelve to twenty-four months, probably. Yeah. Okay. Then I would. I, I. You could do a short-term bond fund. Very. You know. You could do an ultra-short-term bond fund. Because then you'll get at least more than money market rates. You'll get a couple, maybe 3%, maybe. Okay? Uh, but it was also very safe. They're very, very reliable not to lose your money. Okay? Because they're so short term. So that's probably the best bet you can do. There's an ETF. There's several ETFs out there. So you can you know spread it around the different ETFs if you like. But that's where you're going to probably make your best return with the least amount of risk. And you know, since it is house money, I don't, I don't want you to take a lot of risk with that money. That's not a good idea. So, I think that's your best bet. Good luck, Tony. Hope you can find your house pretty soon. Justin, I have thank, and want to thank you, our podcast listeners, for all the support for listening to our free downloads. And we will continue to do that. We're not. We've been doing it for years, and we'll continue to do it for years in the future. But I do want to make you aware that there are two other ways to find our material and unbiased guidance, and that's at Invest Talk has a YouTube channel and Instagram following, and we're building out more content for those those uh, channels, those methods that we do uh, to prov- provide you with information. So go to YouTube or Instagram and search Invest Talk. Remember, Invest Talk is with two T's, and please tell your friends. The Investor phone lines are open. Call now, 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk, and we've all been watching the news and market volatility. Steve Peasley is here now, and he's ready with unbiased answers, but you've got to call with your questions. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. My focus point today is based on the story behind the question, could it be possible that inflation has peaked, has already peaked? And they had numbers out today. We'll talk about that. And what else do I want to talk about? Well, uh, how about uh, natural gas? Do you know natural gas has made a new high where oil has not? Oil has come down. So I want to discuss that. And used car sales... Missed estimates. So, remember, used car sales have been very high, and used cars are very expensive. So, looks like we have a peak there. Looks like we have a peak in the housing. So, what is that? Does that bode ill for our economy and stock market? And then at the same time, you have inflation very high and the Fed promising a lot more increases in interest rates. Doesn't seem to be, you know, to be honest, I don't think the Fed's going to increase the rates as much as they say they're going to increase the rates. I I think that the market and the the economy and the stock market will change their mind for them if they stay on this path like they are. So we'll see as time goes by, but I, I can't imagine, what, six, seven more increases? And even the Fed in the recent minutes talked about half a percent increase instead of quarter percent increases. Man, uh, I, I think they need to get interest rates up, but I think they're very late in doing it. 
as usual. Um, and I talked about that over a year ago that I think the Federal Reserve should start bumping the interest rates a little bit. You know, and I think that should not be so strident now. I don't mind a half a percent, but then no increase for a couple, three months. You know, to let, let, the, let the markets digest the higher rate. Anyways, that's what we're going to talk about today. And the market started up high. I mean, it had a good rally in the morning. It stayed pretty decent until about two or so hours, maybe two and a half hours before the end of the trading day, and it ended up down. The Dow was down 88, the Nasdaq down 40, and the S&P down 16. So it was an interesting market um, because, remember, we had a very high inflation number to come out in the reports today, very high. But it didn't affect the market. That did not make the market go down. The market rallied. Why? I had this discussion with my wife yesterday when she said, well, I heard the re- you know, inflation is going to be very high uh, tomorrow in the report, so the market's probably going to crash. I said, no, the market's probably going to rally. And then we had a long discussion of expectations and, you know, <laughs> she has not much interest in the market, so when she makes a comment about it, we have to discuss it because I have to explain how things work, you know. And I'm not always right, you know, but, you know, I know how this, I know how that news, when the market already knew inflation is going to be high, why do you think the markets are down so many days in a row? That's one of the reasons, besides COVID in China and besides the Russia. But the Russian thing has been with us a while now. Market's not kind of reacting to that anymore. And now, you know, we'll see. I think we're going to have a, 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 a tough summer. I do. So just be prepared. So let's go to an Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Nick in Napa. I'm calling about ticker symbol KRE, the Spider S&P Regional Banking Fund. And in this rising interest rate time we have and the high inflationary division that we have right now, I was wondering if this is a good stock to hold or to just sell. Thanks so much. I'm not so keen on banking system right now. I'm on the banking market. This is an ETF, K-R-E, a, uh, a Spider S&P Regional Bank ETF. And it's really, interest rates are rising. Um, we have an inverse, uh, we had a, the uh, the two-year yielding more than a 10-year week or so ago. And I, I, that does not bode well for banking going forward. So I'm not keen on the. I'm not act anti-banking at all, but I think you need to be more specific, not just buy a group of banks. I think you got to buy individual banks that have better numbers individually. We're going to take a break. My phone lines are open, everybody. You can call. Call Invest Talk at 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Okay, my focus point is today is based on a story from UBS, uh, an article by Fortune about UBS and UBS prediction of inflation, which have been very accurate. 
Okay, so far, thus far, and they they were right on when they when they uh, predicted today's inflation news of eight and a half percent for last month. So UBS predicts inflation has peaked, but warns that in March's consumer price index will still be pretty nasty, and that's what we got, eight and a half percent. So reading through the article, what the most striking thing is is they think the mar- not only has interest rates peaked, but it's going to fall off every month fall off every month, and going from 8.5%, this is a year-over-year CPI number, Consumer Price Index, 8.5% as reported this morning, down to, and that was their prediction, 8.5%, down to 3.4%, 3.4% by the end of the year. Now, how do they do that? Well, the rise of, what, 1.2% month-over-month from February to March over half of that was oil prices, and oil prices have already peaked. They peaked in March, and they're falling. So they're still high. Don't get me wrong. They're still high, but they won't add to the inflation rate. And also UBS thinks that the what will happen is spending will turn away from things to services. Things meaning new cars and clothes or things that were not spent during the COVID years, and that extra money that they have, that was given to them by the government that helped spark all this inflation, that's drying up. Now they're going to be ha- people are going to rely on their own income, but incomes have gone up, and everybody's had. There's plenty of jobs, so they're just saying that the inflation pressure is coming off. So they're saying that the supply chain is is improving and it has been. And it will continue to improve, and by the end of the year, that'll be pretty much a non-discussion about the supply chain because everything should be fine. Then at the very end of the article, UBS also says, on the other hand, things could turn ugly as well for by unforeseen forces. And I'm sure they're referring to a resurgence of COVID, you know, some new variant that's deadly. Notice that the newest variants are less and less deadly, less and less, might be more contagious, but not nearly as severe. Now, it doesn't mean it's not deadly to some people. It is, but it's just not like it was. And, of course, conflicts, oils, disruptions, the, you know, the Russian thing. And so they, they do have a little caveat at the end of their articles, at the end of the article about what could happen. But all everything being equal, they think inflation is going to slowly taper off for the next, you know, nine months, you know, eight months. And I think they're right, by the way. I think it's going to remain elevated. And, you know, they think it's going to go down to 3.4%. I think I could see it more in the 4 four plus, 4 to 5% range. And I think it's going to calm down and stay steady of that. But, you know, we're all going to have a chance to just find out, aren't we? Be interesting, I think. Okay, let's grab another voice bank question. Um, uh, This one came in earlier. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is David from Chicago. Uh, Could one of you talk a little bit about trailing stops and specifically how you would go about determining the percentage of a trailing stop? Recently, you've advised several callers to put a tight stop on a position that it appreciated, and I'm wondering what percentage you would consider to be a tight stop. 
And what would be your calculus for putting what I guess would be a normal trailing stop on a position? Would there be a scenario where you'd put a 15 or 20% trailing stop on a position? Thanks so much for your feedback. I look forward to hearing your response on the podcast. The answer to that last question is yes, there could be a situation. It's hard to answer that what would be an appropriate trailing stop because it depends on the stock and how volatile it is. If it's an extremely volatile stock, you're not going to have a trailing stop of 5% because it can do that in two or three days, up and down. Uh, if it's a very slow growth or very old industry company, they barely move hardly at all, then your stop could be a 5% stop. So if if something moves dramatically up like you were referring to, I would not use a percentage, but I would use a trend line, a break of the trend line down for the price breaking down through that trend line because that trend line would be steep, right, going up. So it wouldn't be a very far uh, way to go before you were stopped out. This would try to keep you in the stock as it continues to rise sharply. Okay, but as soon as it hesitates or drops a little bit, you, you lock in your profits because most of a very, very strong move over a short period of time, most of that move, half of it will be given back. And that's pretty common. So you just got to just try to play the odds. If your retirement planning includes downsizing, there are numerous things you can sell to clear out the clutter. And I got lots of that. So, and that will give you some extra funds if you need it for retirement and nest egg. So, as we go to break, here's my trivia question. Can you name at least seven things you might want to sell to prepare for retirement downsizing? After break, I'll supply the answer. For now, my lines are open. I encourage you to give me a call, 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in 
patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Let's take a quick look at your financial to-do list. At the top, make that phone call to the InvestTalk Anytime listener line. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will provide unbiased answers to your questions. InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. I did ask a trivia question before the break, and it's all about retirement and getting rid of some of the clutter if you're going to downsize, and what can you get rid of? Well, extra cars is one. That's probably get, you get a lot of you could get a lot of value out of it. You don't need, you know, if you're going to retire and it's just you and your wife, or just you, you only need one car, really. So, my problem is I have, I hate to say this, but I have four cars. Um, two are old, very very old, and if I downsize, I'd like them still. I still use them. So that's going to be tough if I downsize to get rid of my cars. Furniture. I have very good friends who moved from Boston, a big house in Boston, retired to a smaller big house 
but smaller, in um, Georgia, and they tried to sell some of their furniture. Then they tried to give it away. No one wanted it. They had a baby grand piano. No one wanted. They called everybody they knew, and no one even wanted it. Free. So I don't know. Selling off furniture is going to be difficult. Uh, decorative, decorative items? Well, maybe a garage sale you might be able to get rid of some stuff. I don't know how much money you're going to be able to do that. Books? Do people want to still buy books? I have a huge library here at the house, but I buy all my books online now. I don't I don't buy book books anymore, you know, paper books anymore. So I don't know how much I've been giving my books away to anybody who wants to read them. So I'm not sure if that will going to make any money. Kitchen appliances you never use. Now, this confuses me. I'm not sure why this made the list because I don't – how many people have kitchen appliances they don't use? I use all my kitchen appliances. Now, I do have a portable microwave, but I, if I downsize, I take that with me. Power tools. Okay, you're going to have a hard time prying power tools out of my hands when I retire. I plan on using them more in retirement. <laughs> Even though I'm not a big handy guy, but I do use them. Anyways, so those are some of the things you could sell. I'm, you, I'm sure you have better ideas than I do on this subject. So you're just trying to downsize. It's, it's going to be very difficult when you move into a smaller home. You have to downsize. Okay, let's go to Dave in Minnesota. He wants to talk about um, oxypetroleum. How are you doing, Dave? Good. Thanks for taking my call. Um, so I, I'm in this at uh, thir- uh, my average cost basis is at thirteen dollars a share, mm-hmm. and I saw that Warren Buffett bought into it at like fifty three, and he's the only value investor. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering, do I take profits? Do I not take profits? Do I just let it run? I mean, I've already taken like thirty percent profits, but it's like up to eight percent of my portfolio. And then I have also another question about you guys have talked about uh, the summer being maybe the time for the market to drop. So mm-hmm. wondering. Should I be taking profits in my commodity stocks? Do you think those are going to be dropping in the summer too? Well, I'll tell, I'll tell you that kind of what our plan is, is to just slowly cut back, okay, on some of the big commodity profits we have. Did you say how much is it percent of your portfolio? Was it 8% Occidental, Occidental Petroleum? Eight? Yeah. Okay, eight. Yeah. Okay, yeah. eight is not out of line. It's not. Um, when it gets to about 10 I would probably start cutting back a little bit. I don't think I'd sell it. Okay. I don't think I'd get rid of it because I do think I think we're in a long-term commodity um, um, rally. And when I say long-term, I'm talking multi-years, five, ten years, because there's been so little investment. And you know, everybody, is, everybody is so so hung up on electric cars and their t- the future, and that is all true. I'm not disputing that. But oil is going to be a, a, a huge the demand worldwide. Demand oil is still going up, and it's going to still go up for the next ten years. Worldwide demand. Okay, maybe not necessarily here in the United States. But we're talking about the rest of the world that is third world countries, and they're going to want more oil. It, it's just going to happen. So I'm not anti-oil. I think that oil companies. So I, I don't know if I would, you know, it's $59 a share, and they're going to make $59 a share right now, and they're going to make $7.15 a year. This year, 2022, $7.15 per share. So it's still very reasonably priced. 
So I'd probably hold on to it. Okay? They appreciate it. That's OXY, Occidental Petroleum, everybody. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Okay, um, we, as I reported, the CPI number is 8.5% for March. Uh, most, that's the, hard, large, that's the highest it's been since 1981. Food, shelter, and gasoline were the main drivers. Of course, food, shelter, gasoline is the main things we need, isn't it? So everybody's paying more. Gas is up 18.3%, okay, month over month. Uh, 50% of the, uh, of the inflation rise was because of gas, you know, gasoline. And even if you take out gasoline, uh, food, and energy, take it out, uh, CPI is still up 6.4%, just so you know. Okay, natural gas prices are even higher, uh, higher than oil. I mean, as far as they're still going up. Okay, whereas oil is not. This is a 13-year high for natural gas. And what was the reason for the recent week or two spike in natural gas? Weather. The short-term outlook for weather in the United States and the Midwest is colder. And then a longer lookout is colder weather also. Cold. Those are the first, the short-term, colder than normal. And even in the media turn colder than normal so that drove up gas natural gas prices because a lot of people heat their house with natural gas so that's what they're dealing with 888-99 charge our number we get many stock questions and as you know and many times we receive process and definition questions so let's play one hi steve and uh, justin my name is john i am a client of uh, kpp my question today is, and by the way, I love your show. I was actually uh, <clears throat> referred to you by uh, another good friend of mine who lives out in California, Mill Valley. His name is Brendan, and uh, he helps me with my investments, but none as well as you do. But my question is this. I have a, a 457 through my employer. They don't match it or anything. I've just been invested into it myself. I have almost $400,000 in there. And it's been in a very safe haven. Uh, I've only been collecting about 2% interest on it for a number of years. And I was just wondering, I'm 70 years old. I'm retired from uh, the NYPD. I have a pension. I just signed up for my Social Security at 70. And I was wondering if it'd be worth it for me to roll this 457 over into a, uh, a Roth IRA. You can answer that question. I'd really appreciate it. And thank you again. Bye-bye. I wouldn't roll all of it into a Roth IRA because it, it, you're going to have to pay income tax on all that money. 457, everybody, is a retirement account, like a 401K, okay, but for, for, for government employees of some kind. So if you move all that from a tax-deferred place to a taxable place, you know, investment uh, account, that 400000 is income that year, and you're going to pay income taxes. So don't do that. I don't want you to do that. No. You can and probably will roll some of it every year because now that you're – well, you don't have to start rolling it over until you're 72. So you still got a couple more years before you don't have to touch it. 
But you could, since you're now collecting a pension and Social Security. See, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough question because you want to talk to your accountant. What's the smartest tax thing you could do to start rolling some of it into a Roth IRA for the next couple of few years? Um, and, you know, because you're going to have to start taking a 72 and a half, some of it. But you could maybe take some, some of it next year if you're, you know, depending on your income. But do not roll it all over in one time because of the taxes. Don't do that. And you can talk to your CPA. He would have could he should have some good advice on that as well. I am not a tax person. Uh, I'm an investor, you know, a registered investment advisor. Uh, but uh, man, I wouldn't want to pay taxes all at one time on that money. Good question, though. Appreciate appreciate the question. I think it's worth a minute or two. Every day that we talk about KPP Financial, Justin Klein and I run KPP Financial and own it. We are based in Irvine, California, which is in Orange County, south, you know, southern California between L.A. and San Diego counties. And I'll remind you that, in, uh, that here on Invest Talk and at KPP Financial, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. And what does that really mean? How do we implement that? Well, we provide unbiased guides. We don't buy research. We don't buy. We well, have to. We're not. We're not uh, beholden to any big house or anything like that. Which, by the way, a lot of uh, investment advisors are. We also practice parallel investing, meaning we buy the same things for ourselves as we do for our clients. Same price, same percentage. So I want to be on the same side of the table as the client. You know, my clients and me. I want us to have our money on the same side. So all our efforts is focused on all of us growing our money. That's the point. That's the whole reason we do that. I encourage you to take advantage of our offer, free offer, to provide a portfolio review assessment. No charge, no fees, no obligations of any kind. We can do it by telephone, Skype, or go to meetings. You send us a message to investtalk.com or call KPP Financial in Irvine, California. Well, after speaking with us for a few minutes, 10 minutes or so, You'll get an idea of how we operate. We're, you know, we're very easy to talk to, and there's no pressure. There is nothing. We will help you, and you don't have to become a client. We won't talk you into becoming a client. We don't do that, but we'll help you. We'll help you as best we can. Okay, so we want to help you. I like doing it, so please don't hesitate to call. Next up, we will go back to Talk Voice Bank. Remember, the phone lines never close. 888-99-CHART. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. And Steve and Justin, thank you for your loyalty. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Your rating is a vote of confidence that leads to higher visibility and causes more people to discover and listen to Invest Talk. So please tell your friends and family members about the free Invest Talk downloads at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Remember to include your brief question when you review and rate on iTunes. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24 7. Don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Justin, Steve, Wayne from Cape Cod, long-time listener. Thanks for having me. 
Hey, uh, no pun intended, Easton here, but got all my eggs in one basket on uh, AREC, American Resources, AREC. Was curious if uh, you think I should sell here or a long time hold. Uh, appreciate it, guys. Have a good day. AREC, by the way, I'll be in. Uh, I'm going to be take a vacation with some friends in Cape Cod, I think in July. So I'm looking forward to it. I've been there once. When I lived on the East Coast, when I was youth, when I had no money, couldn't enjoy myself because everything cost a lot of money on the East Coast. Okay, American Resources, AREC, engaged in the exploration, processing, transportation, and selling of metallurgical coal and other things. Um, I I would get out. I, I mean, I would not be in this stock. It's a $140 million company. They've lost money every year. They're going to make 18 cents this year and 82 cents next year. It's a $2.13 stock. But it's way too small and too risky. I would not, I would, I would exit it. I would get out and put something in more stable. This is too insta, insta, instable. And remember, we're talking about coal, metallurgical coal, meaning coal that will burn to fire uh, uh, steel furnaces, you know, to make steel. Um, I just don't like the area. I don't like the coal area. Too much, too much anti-coal sentiment out there in, in politics, and so I'm I'm out. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, used car sales missed their estimates. High cost was the reason. You know, there's a there, there's an old saying: the the solution for high prices of things. It's high prices. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Prices get too high, people stop buying it. Everything. They'll, won't, they'll, demand will dry up as it goes, cost goes up. So that's what's happened with used cars, probably. Um, so consumer confidence and affordability were the two main reasons given as to why um, why uh, they did, the, the used car sales were off. They're off 6.5% in the first quarter, first quarter of this year, down 6.5%. Year over year, prices are up 40%. So don't think the prices are cheap. They're not, but I think those high prices have affected the demand. So that year over year is from February to February. That's the latest numbers we have. Was up, so prices are up 40%. Again, the solution for solution for high prices is high prices, <laughs> so that's what it that you're you're a victim of your own success. That happens. Not that's not uncommon, not really uncommon. Um, eight 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 ninety nine chart eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. Everybody, that's the number. It never changes. Always has stayed the same. We're going to be back here in just a minute. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have, of course, just the one goal and we always have, and that's to help you achieve financial freedom. I always like that term, financial freedom. You, that, you, don't, you get to make your own decisions, not based just on finances. like that. So after the break, we'll get to your questions. 888-99-CHART. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced? Or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com 
and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Uh, hi, Steve or Justin. This is Jeff calling in from Dallas. I uh, wanted to see if you guys could essentially elaborate on your strategies to hedge against uh, the devaluation of the U.S. dollar. I uh, wanted to see if there's anything outside of just purchasing uh, commodities, which I know you guys have been recommending for some time now. Any additional information or strategies on, again, the hedging against the devaluation of the dollar would be much appreciated. Thank you. Well, right now the dollar is appreciating and has been for you know all all last year, you know, and and this year so far. So it's not depreciating. But if you want to hedge against that, in other words, you think it's going to roll over and go down, which is a strong possibility because it's coming up against resistance, you can short the dollar, sell the dollar short. You can short an ETF that's long the dollar. In other words, uh, UUP, for instance, is an exchange-traded fund that corresponds to the Invesco Dollar Index bullish fund. Um, it's, so it's, it's, it's following an index bullish so when it goes up, the dollar gets stronger. The dollar is stronger, pushes it up. I'm, so it it follows the dollar. So you can short that ETF. Sell short. You know, and I bet you there's an ETF that actually does short the dollar. I bet you there is. You can do it. That's one way. Uh, we probably will not do that. Okay, we don't have that in our sight at this point. Um, I, it's hard for me to see why the dollar would get weaker in comparison to other currencies at this time. Because inflation is not just a U.S. problem. It's a worldwide problem. Okay, so if 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 we go into recession, that's, you know, down the road. I don't think it's this year even. It might be next year, but not this year. Uh, but even then, remember, a dollar is traded against other currencies, not, not, you know, so therefore it has to get weak. Other currencies are going to be weak if they go in, their countries go into recession too. So, you know. It's it's something I, I'm not keen on doing, but you could do it that way. That's that's my point. Okay, so there's always a way to take advantage of the opposite of something happening in the stock market. So, and, and some to some some uh, to some, some degree, that's not a good thing because anybody and everybody can do it these days. It's so easy and costs nothing. To, to trade these days. So it's so easy to trade and many people get carried away and do things they probably shouldn't do. Probably should not do. Now we're going to get a lot more economic uh, reports out this week. It's going to be pretty heavy. Um, so as they come out, I will re- be reporting them this week. Justin is out on vacation this week and that's why you have me here for the next few days. Uh, Friday's a holiday, so be prepared for that. But we do have uh, a number of economic numbers um, that will be for March. And I don't think we're going to see any reduction in inflation-type numbers yet. But probably for April, we will. And that tracks with the UBS reports. So just just be prepared for that. Okay. The stock market itself, we've been in a pretty severe correction, especially in the tech sector. Uh, you might you might even call it a bear market. It still is not recovered from that. And I don't think, uh, I think as I pointed out earlier, and I know Justin has too, um, we think it's going to be a tough summer, a difficult summer for stocks. 
Um, there is a bullish argument, though. The bullish argument is that uh, the experts, meaning people like UBS and Wells Fargo and you know all the big banks, uh, have been increasing the corporate profit estimates for the year. So that's the bullish argument for higher stock prices. It's not all uh, bearish out there. It's not. So don't you cannot just assume because we're saying it's going to be a tough summer that the market's going to collapse. No, not necessarily. So just be aware. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about it, about our free podcast downloads. We'd appreciate that. Thanks to you, we're over 40 million. We'd like to keep that going. Want to get to 80 million. So you can get your download anytime at iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And please be sure to review and rate us on iTunes if that's how you download. Your positive rating helps our profile, helps spread the word. Okay? Appreciate it. And if you do that, we'll answer any question you have very quickly on the air. Independent thing and share success. This is the best talk. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART. 